Stanford, everybody. How you doing, Billy? Doing awesome, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Great to have Sweet. you on. I appreciate you uh, coming out to be a part of this. It's really cool. Yeah, are you kidding me? I'm super stoked, and it's always very humbling when anyone wants to talk to you or hear your thoughts Yeah. Um, or converse in that manner, so I'm super stoked, so thank you. Yeah, so a little bit about how we met. So uh, we play in the same summer baseball league, uh, a couple of them, and uh, it's kind of a, a neat culture that I've kind of tapped into and here in the Grand Rapids area. I've lived here for uh, about six years now, and I've been a baseball guy my entire life, and I fell ass backwards into this league last year. had no idea it even existed. And uh, you, among a lot of other people, I've really cool people that I've got a chance to meet. So how did you, how, have you been doing this for quite some time then? Or I have a love-hate relationship with baseball. Okay, I want to hear this. Oh gosh, we could take we could take <laughs> up like yeah, we could take up the whole night with so, this. So from my perspective, from you, I see your social media posts, and you are if a casual social media observer of your life, you're obsessed with fitness, baseball, and everything that comes with those two things. So tell me about what your love hate is here. Yeah, I I mean, I grew up playing baseball since I was four. I love it. Played in college. Uh, I walked away from baseball at, geez, I was almost 24 um, at a independent league spring training with my dad. After day one, I go back to the hotel and I was like, dad, I'm done. Like, I don't want this anymore. He was like, what? Like, yeah. This is everything you ever wanted. And I was like, nope, done. Literally went out to the field that night, hung up my cleats. And didn't touch a ball for like five years. No kid. Yeah, real talk. Um, at, after that, I just, I went wild. Like I partied a ton. I got into doing installation art. I was a philosophy major mm-hmm. in college. So I love like very cerebral, love to think, uh, love to be analytical. And I just wanted to be as far away from ball as I could. Uh, around 27, I, I don't know, kind of got the itch to play again, started coaching. And then I've just it's love hate, man. Yeah. I mean, baseball once it sinks your it, like it's hooks into you. I don't feel like you can ever fully get away. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took some more time. I played for a few years, took some time off, and then I came back about five years ago. And okay. this is actually probably the most fun I've had with baseball since like high school. Why? Why do you think that is? Because it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just a damn <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the, the thing that I struggle with was I always felt like it was more than a game. Because it was everything for me. Yeah. You know, it was everything. I mean, you can really, you can really drag your self image into sports, especially at a young age for a young man trying to find his identity. You, it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. And uh, when, when your game starts to struggle at a certain point or you top out at a certain point, you question yourself as a person and it's and not as a baseball player. And it's sometimes it's so hard to pull those two things apart. Oh, Ten thousand percent nail in the head. So the judgment of baseball killed me and made me insanely insecure. Um, because as you know, I'm five nine and a half, one seventy. Yep. I am not six two two twenty, and I caught until oh. I got to college. In college, I caught and then moved to the infield, played a little outfield. But it, just that idea was like, oh, Billy, like nice arm, quick feet, soft hands. You can swing it. You can run. But and that but. You're not 6'2", 210, or 220. Yeah. Oh, just thrashed me. Yep. You know? And then, I mean, it helped in one way because my personality came out and I was always a life of the party and the good time. Yep. But it just, yeah, it wreaked havoc internally with me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now, like I said, now it's just, it's, it's fun. It's enjoyable. I get to mentor. 
I do like a ton of leadership stuff with some guys. Um, and it's more of that side of the game I enjoy more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, when I was 14, I had this coach tell me that, Billy, you're more of a coach than a player. I was 14 years old. I wanted to be a player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yep. That in and of itself, <laughs> like just, I mean, it was the same thing yeah. it, it, up into my 20s. Finally, at about 27, I realized I'm more of a coach than a player. Yeah. Not that I'm not. I, I can play baseball. It's good. Yeah. The game's a struggle. It's fun. But I would rather give. In, in other ways. You, you know you, what I mean? You accepted your your fate. I'm not Bryce will. Harper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God didn't come down and say, you're going to be 6'2", jacked, can run like a gazelle, can hit nukes like that. Exactly. Yes. Y- your story sounds oddly similar to mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So I, but I was, I, but I will say this. I remember last year in fall ball, where that was you, right? That hit a dinger in at Belknap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that it was a grand slam. Yeah, I can swing it a little yeah, bit here yeah. and there. Not bad. Not Once bad. in a while, yeah. close my eyes, get lucky. Yeah. Did you play last night, or did were you? You were out of town. I right? did not. Yeah, we had a day trip. My wife and I's anniversary. Yeah, they didn't miss you. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I was I was yeah. texting Carlos. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it was bad, man. Yeah. I was messing with him because we got stomped yesterday too, but I was messing with him after the game. I was like, hey, uh, I might take you guys plus eight. Like if, if, if those are the odds um, and if I would have bet money, I would have lost because I think it was like 13 to nothing. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're, I think you're like fourth pitcher through a no hitter against no hitter. them. So yeah. Yeah. He's tough though. Flicky's tough. Who, he's crafty. Who was that again that threw for you last night? Flicky. I don't, I don't he, know him, uh, I think. He throws, he's like fastball, curveball, changeup. He's got a nice curveball, but he mixes locations. He, Greg Maddox. Okay. Right? Like, yeah, good comp. Got the Bravos. Yep. I mean, he's that. Yep. Like, keeps the ball low, mixes speeds up. Yeah. We've got one of those guys on our team, and when he shows up, it's great. He, Jason uh, Jason Benson, okay. he, he's an outstanding pitcher. He, he played 15 years of pro ball. Okay. Um, he's a good pitcher, but he's late 30s or early 40s now i don't know exactly yeah, yeah. how old he is and every time he pitches we win um but he uh, <laughs> yeah i think i think to be fair to him i think he hurt his knee and he's kind of getting that rested up and when you're at that age you don't bounce back as quick as <laughs> no man you know in your early 20s i'm starting to feel some of that stuff too and i'm just like i'm 27 now and god late 20s that's all mental yeah a lot <laughs> of it is a lot of it is well yeah, my uh, lower body pain sometimes is not mental, but it is what it is. But that's the thing, though, right? Like, because I love to compete. I want to compete at a high level. So if I don't train the way I do, like we were talking about the training portion, yep. if I don't do what I do, it would never come to fruition. Yeah. Right? Like, I want to steal bases. I still want to play a good infield. I want to have range. I want to be able to, you know, yep. throw the ball hard to first or whatever. Yeah. If, if I mean, literally, I train about twice a day. <laughs> Um, plus I just love it. Yeah. But I do mobility, flexibility in the morning and then strength training. That's awesome. You got a whole setup in your house too, don't you? Yeah, man. I got a gym at the house. I haven't touched a weight since February and it's starting to, it's starting to show up and I, yeah, feel it. So speaking of driven and and attacking your days. So one thing that the, and the reason why I had you in the back of my mind to get you on and you were one of the first people that I reached out to, um, was that we had a brief conversation um, at we, we were scrimmaging at the beginning of the year in the in the height of COVID and everything's shut down and we 
you know, we're just like, you know, we're we're a bunch we're grown ass adults. Like we're not gonna succumb to this ridiculousness. Like baseball in and in and of itself is pretty socially distanced. We're outside, we're in the sun, uh and like everything that I'm reading about this thing is like Number one, we're not in risk categories. You know, we're we're low risk, even if we were to get it. And number two, we're 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 outside in the sun, where there are a lot of studies that showing it, it dies in the sun instantaneously. So if, even if somebody did have it, it's probably not going to spread to anyone. So we made an educated decision that, and uh, kind of an fu to the authorities at B, <laughs> uh, that you know we're just going to play some baseball. So we found an abandoned high school field, and we just you know. How cool is it that we could just send out texts and we have 20, 20 to 40 guys show up on any given Saturday in May and we had like legit nine inning games and we umpired ourselves. And yeah, um, yeah. so I, I remember, I think, and I, and I played with you uh, last year a little bit in the fall league, but just running into you and having a brief conversation with you, um, I ba- you said something to me that that I've heard a lot of really successful people say is that. I've been reading 15 minutes a day, probably in your case more than that, but at a bare minimum 15 minutes a day for the last 20 years or however long it's been um, uh, from a book, uh, you know, whether it's a biography of somebody who's successful or something that's on success principles or spiritual stuff. Like, how did you start? How did you develop that habit? And what has that done for you kind of over the, the long, the long haul? Yeah. Yeah, man. I remember that conversation. Um I, yeah, I've been reading 10 pages a day for 15 years. So I'm about just from that, like 600 books ish. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that. There was a guy named Zig Ziglar, who's, I don't heard know if them. you guys have ever yes. heard yep. of. <laughs> yep. Um, but he said that if you read, oh gosh, what was it? It was, um, no, it was 10 pages a day that you would read 20 plus books a year. The average American reads one book a year, which still holds true um, from the first time I, ha- I heard that. So when I was 27, I started doing, I was like, oh, this is great. And I like to, I started to really enjoy reading in my early 20s. I mean, I was a philosophy major. All I did was read and argue. Okay. So I, I, I started reading and then I just had the idea of if I can just give one thing away from a book, like I'm doing tenfold more than every other selfish bastard around. So it's going to catapult me into where I want to go. Plus, I love walking with people. Yeah. Like, I, it just is my favorite thing. And we always need it. Yeah, we always sure. need to be walked with, including myself, right? Like, I have my mentors, my people who I walk with. Um, so for me, it, that was it. Like, it was pretty selfish ambition, actually. Um, but it's worked out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what are, what are some net positive, like, let's maybe... Maybe talk about a little bit like career wise, like what, what is that, what advantages has that provided for you from like a career standpoint, what you've, what you've done professionally? Discipline and confidence. How so? Uh, I mean, the discipline to read 10 pages a day, no matter what, even especially during some of those early times of waking up hungover or whatever, no excuses. If I miss the morning, I got to read at night or lunch or whenever that is. So discipline in and of itself, which is not popular in our culture. So stop you there. There's a, so there was a, a a benefit to you, not even from the content that you're reading, but just the discipline that it took to stay committed to it. I'll be a very simple task. I mean, any, any idiot can read 10 pages at one particular time. But it's the the consistency piece is is what it's the slight edge effect. It's the the compound effect, if you will. 
So the second thing, confidence, what did that do for you for like a confident, from a confidence standpoint? Yeah. I mean, when you're reading a plethora of different ideas um, and holding on to some of those, you can sit in any room and talk to anyone about anything. And just the mental edge of, I know you don't do what I do every day. Yeah. You know, I mean, same thing that goes with training. Um, it just gives you that slight edge, right? Like yeah. even if I'm sitting with somebody who knows a lot more than me on a subject, I know that I can make connections. They can't, Yeah, you know, cause they may be an expert in this, this little sliver, but I know a heck of a lot yeah. about quite a few things. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So John, uh, John Maxwell says everyone, everybody communicates, but few connect. Exactly. That's what the title of that. I read the cover of that book. <laughs> <laughs> the very least. John Maxwell's good. He can be a little dry, but his, yes. I mean, his info is incredible. Outstanding. We've, I've been to a, a couple conferences where he was a keynote speaker and he's, he's a outstanding communicator. And um, I'll say this, I enjoy, from an enjoyment standpoint, I love hearing him speak versus reading his books because Agreed. there's some, I have to read his books in the morning. Because I can't read it at night because yeah. it'll put me to sleep. I agree. They're <laughs> but, really dry. Yes, but the content is outstanding. Oh, and, there's nobody better. And the application of the content is, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, I, I'm, I don't consider myself to be successful because I think that's, I don't think that's a destination. I think it's a, it's a journey. Um, but the, I think one of the reasons why I'm not living in a shack or a van down by the river or divorced or, you know, a deadbeat dad is because of the, those little things that I've kind of picked up over the last few years. And again, having great mentors and stuff like that, um, that definitely helps. Cause I was, I was a, uh, a, a high school push out. I dropped out of three different colleges. Uh, school, school was not going to be the way for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, as a, as a young kid, I was diagnosed with ADHD which to me, and I've talked about this before, but I don't think that was a med very medical diagnosis. I think it was more of a, I didn't give a crap about anything that school was telling me. And I was homeschooled up until my freshman year of high school. So I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I was never wired that way. And, um, and I had, my, my mom was an English lit teacher. Um, my dad uh, was a uh, he had a business degree from Wayne State. So they're both very educated. They, uh, My dad was a small business owner. My mom had a good job. Um, and so that that whole path that was kind of laid out for me, you know, I was kind of miserable in that path. And I, and I didn't want to be broke my entire life, but I also didn't want to go that route, if that made sense. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I through fortune got introduced to uh some some people that opened up some doors from a leadership standpoint and uh because of that you know i i mean it's it's crazy to think about but four or five years ago i was working minimum wage retail jobs and i fell ass backwards into a banking job and then one one thing leads to another and you know where i'm at you know we were living in york creek four and a half years ago yeah you know, paying you know, $650 a month in yeah, a, yeah. a section eight style apartment <laughs> with a, you know, newly married, brand new baby. And I was like, you know, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> Cause we, we moved, you don't know anything about me from this standpoint, but we moved from, we, uh, Chloe and I are both from Northern Michigan. I grew okay. up in Gaylord. She grew up in, uh, uh, a little small town about 30 minutes north of Gaylord, okay. a very small, like one stoplight, one bar, one gas station, that's it, kind of kind of deal. Uh, a real one horse town. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we both came from middle class families yeah. and um, 
And so we we moved to we got engaged in June of 2014. Uh-huh. We made the decision in July that we're going to move to Grand Rapids. We're completely uprooting everything. Our association in Northern Michigan was just it wasn't that great. Um, we had a couple friends that were decent friends, and then outside of that, it was a it was townies, and you know, mm-hmm. not. I mean, it, it sounds bad me saying it like, but I. I wanted to surround myself with people that were up, upwardly mobile and driven and stuff like that because when you when you surround yourself with positive motivated people it it rubs off you know um, when you hang out with people who are negative and you know that hate their lives and stuff like that that rubs off too. Thousand so, percent. Yeah, you are who you surround yourself with. So we made a decision to move down to Grand Rapids in Ju- in July. We actually did it in August, um, and then in the beginning of and we're engaged at this point gonna get married next summer had all this stuff planned and then in october we found out that we're having a baby and so yeah it's just you know i was 21 she was just turned 19 and we're children man and yeah so we're children and uh we from you know and we were both my my parents are catholic her mom's methodist and so like the some like the at first, there was some family tensions and stuff because they were a little bit upset with us. And we were, we felt pretty guilty about it, too, because we were just like, you know, this isn't how we saw things going and, you know, the the shame that comes with all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so we just, you know, we we just figured out a way and we had outstanding people around us. And, and our our parents came around. Like, once once you see a little baby, yeah, of it, course. Everything, everything solves itself. So we ended up getting married that January. So we went from single people in because we we started officially dating in April. We went from single people in April, engaged in June, married in January, baby that next June. Unreal. Yeah, it was it was out of this world. Like it so much so many things changed so fast. We moved three times in that whole process. And um yeah, it's just absolutely wild. And then today, you know, we actually are a little bit of you know We've we figured out a way. This is our second house here in Grand Rapids, and it's awesome. uh, second baby, and we we want we we wanted Claire too, but like we we planned for <laughs> for JoJo. <laughs> um, it's so funny. Like when when I tell people this story for the first time before getting into the details, and like yeah, we got married in January, and then you know Claire was born in in June, and you start to see them do the math in their head, <laughs> and you're like, like oh, wait. the first one only takes six months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It was a 40-week pregnancy that took six months. Like, <laughs> That's incredible. That's a lot of life-changing events in a short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine that at that age. Yeah. It was... I was probably drunk in a, I don't know, in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility. It is. And, and you know what? Something I heard somebody say is that when you become a better person when you have responsibility. And so I, I went from that. You know, that shitty 20-year-old kid that only cared about himself to, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I have to provide for a family now, so I better, you know, put my yeah. nose down and get motivated. And yeah. That was really about the time where I started to, you know, wanting to wanting to improve myself. And uh, I'm by no means arrived at that destination. But it, having this conversation, and I wanted you to look yeah. a little bit about my background, is, you know... You you blink and five years go by and it's yeah. and you don't even recognize yourself sometimes if you're if you're actively growing and changing. Oh, dude, real talk. I mean, I'm 16 years older than you, brother. Mm-hmm. 16 years goes by in a blink, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no, it, it is. It's so true. 
that uh do did you uh oh gosh what is his name matthew mcconaughey yeah that youtube video it's like five minutes long where he's always he's talking about the next 10 years yeah you know what i mean like you're chasing that person Mm -hmm. that's it right yeah i mean that's see like we don't have kids Mm -hmm. on and i uh it's just a choice we made yep so i'm glad you do right so i can live (laughs) vicariously through people like you yeah um, but I never had that. So I've always been able to be selfish. I yeah. mean, of course, like I have Anya, so I, I have somebody that I want to care for yep. and love and all of that. But I like me changing has been the hardest thing in the world because I didn't have that forced life event that happened. But like kudos to you because not everyone does that, especially dudes who are 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I know a lot of them. So I give you props for that because I don't know what I would have done at that age. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, yeah, I can be, I can be very selfish. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome, man. I think, I think that's human nature to be selfish. Oh, no doubt, man. Yeah. I, you know, I, I love the old crooners and I fell in love with Frank Sinatra and I did it my way. Oh, is, yeah. Is, is a good and bad uh, song for me because it can definitely be who I am in a positive way, but it also, the negative side of that song hits home too. Yes, that <laughs> is very true. Oh man. So uh, how, uh, so tell me a little bit about what you do because you, you're yeah. self-employed, correct? Um, I am a director of operations at AK Ricks. Okay. And then I also, my title is Ambassador of Wellness, which is pretty badass. But, that's that's um, awesome. I may have met you before. Where? When? At AK Ricks. Uh, did you work there three years ago? Yeah. I've been there uh, for six. I worked with JP Deliveries and delivered some furniture to you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Joe has a steel trap memory. He doesn't yeah. small world. No, it is a small world, man. That's cool. Do you, do you know Jeremiah Postma? I don't. He worked with the home studio mostly. He did okay. a lot of their deliveries and now he's, he's working there. Uh, the white glove delivery. Yeah, so, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, guy. I'm familiar with. I don't yeah. know him, but very familiar. So, yeah, I've I, heard nothing but amazing for things. Okay, so, that's cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah, that's the only place we use, I mean, to do yeah. our good stuff. Huh, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, that's wild. So, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been at AK for six years. Um, the Ambassador of Wellness, more or less, um, I work with and develop our managers and above, and then I'm on the leadership team at the store. And then I also have a consulting uh, business, Aramos Performance. So do business development, leadership development. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Cool. So I got to tell you and give you an example of why you guys made a good decision not to have kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I go up there and Chloe, Chloe's my wife, Claire's my daughter. Chloe is like, you need to talk to your kid. And. Typically, I, I am the, I'm typically the good cop. Chloe is, Chloe is very, I, I just have a hard time caring about something, like, some stupid, like, you, you spilled milk on the carpet, it's not the end, like, it is what it is, it happens. She, sometimes she gets a little bit more heated about stuff like that, so I'm like, okay, what, it, what could it possibly be? And she's like, your daughter. <laughs> 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 your daughter so claire has a bunk bed and so uh-huh. she's on the top bunk uh-huh. your daughter is spitting on the carpet from the top bunk <laughs> and i'm like that sounds like the kind of shit i would do as a kid <laughs> exactly yeah me and, and you both. Uh, so i was by the time i got there she lost all of her stuffies chloe took away all of her stuffies and she was and she made claire grab a pillow and a blanket 
and sleep on the floor where she was spitting. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So don't mess with mama. Um, so I'm like, Claire, what, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you spitting? I don't know. Like, are, are, does your mouth taste bad? She's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, let me see. And she's got, she's going to be having her tonsils removed in the next couple months. And uh-huh. she's got some tonsil rocks. And I think that they're, they're like, she's coughing them up or whatever. And, and they're, they taste nasty. So she's just like spitting them on the ground to get rid of them because she doesn't want to come down. It's like, oh, okay. Do I understand? Yes. This is acceptable. No. <laughs> All right. So we, you know, so the, the consequence is that she got one stuffy back. She can go back in her top bunk, but her next allowance is going to go towards a steamer for her room, and she is going to help us clean her carpet. <laughs> so that is parenting for you right there. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And then Josie's in the background doing her baby baby talk and stuff like that. So it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely don't have that, but it's more adventurous. <laughs> it is. It it definitely uh makes things more lively. Exactly. From, from time to time. Yeah. So, that's perfect. We yeah. just have my wife and two cats. I'll go home and it'll be quiet and I'll chill. Very peaceful. I'll have food. <laughs> <laughs> I'll prep for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh. No right or wrong, just different paths. Yes. Very 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 different. <laughs> so do you uh, do you live pretty close to here, or are you more on the outskirts of GR? Uh, Cascade. Oh, nice. So, yeah, we lived in the city. My wife went to Union High School, which is downtown, if you're yep. familiar with that. Um, and then we lived in either uh, East Town or Heritage Hill. Oh, cool. For the first 15 years we were together. Gotcha. And we just decided we were going to get out, to move the out a, a little, little bit. Yeah. How is it out there? You like it more? Uh, yeah, we dig it. Um, I think we'll end up moving again in the next couple of years. We bought a condo okay, because we were dealing with old homes for years. Oh, yeah. And it's constant work and constant money. And yep. that's all good. And it's fun. But we were like, let's try something different. So we feel like we moved into a retirement home like uh. <laughs> 20 years too soon. Yeah. But like we have a beautiful condo. It's fun. We have the woods. Like, I mean, I have my gym. We have, it's a beautiful place. But cribbage, it's not a, crib, cribbage tournaments on Saturday mornings. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just not a home as much as like it's great. It just doesn't feel as homey as like a home. Yeah. It's kind sure. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. But like I said, I'm sure we'll the next couple of years be out and yeah. buy something to. So in Heritage Hills, with. you probably live pretty close to here then. Couple, yeah. We were on college. Oh, yeah. Right yeah. down the road. Yeah. Right down the road. Yeah. Just on the other side, the northeast. Yeah. We used to live in Alger Heights. That was our first oh. house that we bought in Grand Rapids. Yeah. So we live right off the corner of Burton and Eastern, which that, that neighborhood is very hit or miss as far yep. as sketchiness is concerned. Yeah. Um, and we, we lived on a, on a pretty good street. Um, but we, yeah, it, we moved into an 800 square foot house because it was all that we could afford at that point in time. Wow. And uh, yeah. And I, it, my dad, he, he's hilarious. He is like, you know, when, it's like when you first moved in there, he, so my dad still lives up in Gaylord, uh-huh. very country, oh, yeah, very, very monolithic community, I'll, yeah. I'll put it that way. And um, uh, he's like, you know, I'm driving down Burton and I'm like, 
I turn here? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then you got this house that is so tiny. And it is like you walk in and there's a living room. You you saw that house. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been there a couple times. How many bedrooms? Uh, one legit bedroom. Okay. And the upstairs, it was like a bungalow style. So yeah. you go up the stairs and the whole upstairs is just one room with the, the the angled ceiling. Yeah. So like on the sides, it was about three feet and the ceiling peaked at about six feet. So it was designed, <laughs> it was built in 1919 and designed for very small people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it had been renovated at some point in 2000, albeit very cheaply renovated. It was like somebody threw, threw up some new drywall or new coat of paint, some new like floors. A, like and, a renovating for someone, some place that you're going to rent out. Exactly. And it had been a rental prior yeah. to us purchasing it. Uh-huh. And so, um, and it was, it was a good starter home for us. And, and we ended up making a little bit of money on it. And my, my dad was just like, I thought you were outside your mind for buying that. <laughs> and it turned out to be one of the better financial decisions I, I had ever made. Cause we did, awesome. I did the math on it and you like add up your mortgage payments and then like the equity that you made on it. Yeah. When you sold it. It, it cost me about $1,500 to live there for two years. Yeah. Phenomenal. So, and that's including like all the expenses that like, the only thing we put into it was a new water heater, that and that was it. Like we didn't paint That's anything. Awesome. We didn't. Oh, and we uh, we refinished the bathtub. So those two things. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. I hated that house though. I was like, <laughs> I'm not putting a dime into this thing. <laughs> this thing sucks. I want out now. <sighs> and um, yeah, and then we moved here back in April. I don't recommend moving in a pandemic. By the way, um, hard to find people that are willing to help you move. And, oh, I bet. Um, title companies are closed and you know we we were very fortunate because we we our offer got accepted on this like right before everything shut down yeah because that first like if we would have been we would have had to rent like we were like one week away from having to rent and it's kind of hard to buy a house in grand rapids sometimes yeah throw everything in storage yeah no that's crazy man so are you in alabama i see you were in the yeah so why are you in alabama my dad my parents from alabama yeah my uh, dad's from Huntsville. My mom's from Gunnersville. Okay. Small town. I've been to Huntsville, actually. Yeah. Um, I went there back in, I don't even remember. I went there for a conference or something, but yeah, it's yeah. uh, I didn't I, have a I choice. Love, I love the South. Oh, I, dude. I, yeah, that's where great. I grew up. I mean, I was a military brat. My oh, dad okay, was okay. in the Army 21 years. I was born in Georgia. Okay. And we moved all around. Um, but I mean, in Alabama, it's either Alabama, Auburn. Yeah. And thankfully, I was blessed with Alabama. Yeah. Blessed with the best. <laughs> Roll Tide. Yeah, we had some harsh years though, man. There, there were some, there were some slim years. Yeah. Oh, slim years where you only won ten games. No, Shut the hell no, up. no, no. <laughs> like the Shula era. I mean, they couldn't land a coach. Okay, that was. I, I don't remember any Alabama yeah. before the Saban era. So yeah, no, it, the Saban era has been amazing. But even his first year was rough. Yeah, he only had seven wins. Yeah. Only, um, only had seven wins. But at least they're playing. That's just right? an embarrassment of riches. Are you? Are you a Michigan? Mich- I am a. I'm not a huge college football fan in general. I lean Michigan State. Um, I was back in the day. So I, I went to LCC for a semester. Yeah. One of the three colleges yeah. I dropped out of. So. <laughs> I don't even know their, like, I was about to say, like, go whatever their mascot is. I can't even remember what their mascot is. Hilarious. So, um, yeah, so I I, I can I went to a few Spartan games. I've never been to the big house for a Michigan game. So I'm, you know, I, I don't really have a strong allegiance to either team. Yeah. My thing is that, so 
college football can be a little culty sometimes with a their their fans. Well, really, <laughs> really culty. Like it. Some of yeah, college football fans are the best. But um, so I have uh, one of my one of my really good friends is a diehard Ohio State fan. His grandpa played uh, for Woody Hayes back okay. in the '60s or yeah. whatever. So they they bleed Ohio State red. Um, and then obviously lots of Michigan fans here in the area and. I I enjoy talking shit about other people's teams more than rooting for my own team. Yeah. So I I have this thing, and Joe knows it, where I love to needle people about stuff. <laughs> and um, who uh when oh when uh, Michigan State ruined Ohio State season a couple years ago, where then that oh, yeah. rainy game in Ohio State and the kicker, that walk-off yep. field goal, they had no business winning that game. Their starting quarterback was hurt. Yep. And so for the like the, the three weeks after I saw him, I did that like that windmill motion <laughs> that kicker made every time I saw him. <laughs> I was like, what's up, Robbie? And I did that. And then Ohio State has been done nothing but dominate the Big Ten the last four years, so. Yeah, they're tough. Uh, it, my issue with sports fans in general, but especially college football fans, is the term we. Yeah, oh, for mm. sure. I can't handle it. A lot it. of Walmart Wolverines oh, out there. Oh, my Lord. Like, I'm a fan of Alabama. I love what they do. I love Saban. Yep. I've always liked Saban. I think he's a great coach. He's a winner, so he's somebody that I want to learn from, right? Um, but the we are playing today, or we need to do this, yeah. unless you're in the front office, yeah. <laughs> unless you're in the clubhouse, yeah. locker room, you're not a we. Yeah. I, I don't even, even care ex- if you went there. I would even extend it to former players, I, but not alumni. I can at least, yeah, yeah. I, if you're a former player, say we. Yeah. I, I, can, I can get down yeah. with that. But alumni, just because you went there, you're not part no, of the team. No, you're no, a no. fan. You are one of- You're a fan. You are one of 100,000 drunk idiots- on every Saturday morning on college game day, which, hey, by the way, I if I went to when college game day came to Michigan State while I was at um, uh, while I was at LCC and did I drink in the morning and go stand, cheer with a bunch of those idiots and li- and not even really be able to hear anything that Kirk Herbstreet and <laughs> Lee, uh, Corso. Lee Corso had to say. <laughs> Absolutely. I did that. It was awesome. But like. It, does that make me a part of the team? No, the, uh, no. The team was getting ready to play a football game. I was drinking and yelling and all that yeah. crazy stuff. No, your so, place. Yes, <laughs> I was very aware <laughs> of where I am in the chain of command in that organization. Which I would say people struggle with in general. It's like rule number one to development: yeah. self awareness. Yeah, for sure. Know who you are. You want to know how self aware <laughs> I am? So yeah, and you want to know how humble I am? <laughs> so I I coined. I think I coined this. I could be wrong, but um, one of my biggest pet peeves is when guys say that we're pregnant. Yeah, you're there's, not. There's no I in team. There's no we in pregnant. Real you, talk. Your wife is pregnant. You got her pregnant. Big difference. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Oh. <laughs> Best case scenario. In that case, that's you definitely what, shouldn't that's be saying we. For. <laughs> What's that? Uh, in that case, you definitely shouldn't be saying we. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it, it's funny to me what we cling to in our culture. I mean, politics right now, not that I want to get on politics by any means. Hey, we can, we can get on politics. But uh, open mind. I, it just, it drives me insane. Yeah. Like, it literally drives me insane to think that an external entity is going to change your life, especially yeah. when all your problems are internal. So They're I've, not external. I have always been of the mindset of that politics is a necessary evil. 
government is a necessary evil and what goes on in washington is not going to affect my i i control the outcome of my yeah. life washington does not yeah that narrative has changed this year and for the first time in my life anyway there have been some politicians uh on more specific more specifically on the state level mm-hmm. um that are drastically impacting people's lives mm-hmm. and i have a problem with that yeah so you're supposed to do your little puppet show over in Lansing and uh, yeah, and you're supposed to talk in front of a mic and say nice things and, you know, promise government programs and in reality do nothing like that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I have a, I have a lot of I have a lot of problems and issues of how state government and local government have handled this whole whole COVID thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's interesting because I, okay, so uh, being a white male, yes, 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm very moderate. I'm actually probably leaning more towards libertarian these days than anything. Yeah, I just no want kidding. it to be left alone, yeah. which probably is pretty selfish. Yep. Um, but that, no. is, that is where I'm feeling um, that, that, I'm, that I'm living. Um, I would agree with you. Like white male, 43, I have never, I mean... And there's nothing the government has done that has affected my life at all. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say that's not the norm for a minority. Sure. Um, so I think my issue with politics, though, it, my issue with politics is the politics. Sure. It's shaking hands and doing deals that benefit you, not the people. Right. But then the other side of that is the people aren't doing for the people either. <laughs> And that goes that that, that, that goes yeah. for for middle class people, upper class people, lower class people. That goes for everyone. Yeah, people want someone else to take care of their problems, and it has put it's pushed me lately to like an anti-political view. Yeah, because I just want people to do go do something. Yeah. If you have an issue, go to like go volunteer your time. Yeah. You know, go put your money where your mouth is. Like, that go is big one do something. That is Let's a stop big talking. One stop me. pointing out being like, you're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. Like, being woke to me is having like an internal acceptance of the situation and then being willing to go do something. Everyone is, but, and I don't even think people get into step one of what you just said, being self-aware and then going and do something. I don't even think most people get to like in the social media. The problem with social media, I think, is that like, let's say you look at even like the 1980s, 1990s, you know, before any of the stuff came around. um, The only people that really had a platform were somebody was somebody who had done something to earn that platform. But and what I mean is, is like if you're a if you're a television broadcaster, if you're a radio guy, uh, you you had to go through the school of hard knocks in some direction to get to that stage where you had a microphone mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. talk to people. Mm-hmm. Now, any Tom, Dick, and Harry, such as myself, can go on Amazon <laughs> exactly. and Touché. buy a microphone. <laughs> I, I'm very, again, the self-awareness. I am so self-aware. <laughs> but but, but there, I think there are a lot of people that, that can cause a lot of noise that maybe don't deserve to have that platform. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but maybe they don't deserve it their their opinions aren't very well thought out yeah i i I don't disagree with that i think at the end of the day i think i i think a lot about influence because that's i mean it's all i deal with right like it's it's business it's management it's leadership it's learning how to influence people or your surroundings or an industry or whatever 
whatever the thing is. Where I struggle today with like what you just said, everybody gets a microphone is where is the action, right? Like, and I don't even, I'm cool if you haven't put 10 years or five years. I'm cool if you had an awakening this morning and you're like, I don't like X. So I'm going to start talking about X as long as you're doing something about X. Yes. Mm -hmm. And not just, once again, not just pointing out because to me, all politics is doing right now is being... It's just creating a division. For sure. And then people are going out and pointing at you being like, Justin, you're wrong. Yep. And I'm right, which is more division. And it's not but even- But then they're talking about unity. Yeah. Like, it's batshit crazy. Yeah. It is insane. Let it fly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, it doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. Unity is, is, it's cool if we disagree, but we both don't like what's happening over here. Right. So let's go work on that together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't agree with you guys on everything. It'd be yeah. crazy if I did. Yeah. I would rather leave being like, dang, I never thought of that that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There are societies out there where everybody agrees on everything and that, that's called communism. That's <laughs> what North Korea does. They're really good at getting everybody to think the same way and vote for the same person and... Uh, you know, maybe it's, well, they're yeah. just quiet about they're, their yes. disagreement, yeah. which is a great thing. And I'm yeah. glad in America you can have that. Yes. But it, I mean, at the root of it, it all goes back to that foundation of what are you doing? How right. are you mm-hmm. bettering it? It's yeah. a, an internal issue is never going to get better by something external. Yep. It's not possible. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm, I'm having a, um, like I said earlier, I'm having a staffer for the Trump campaign come on to the show on, on Thursday. And my goal, and also, by the way, if you hear this and you work for the DNC or you work for the Kent County Democratic Party, like reach out to me. I, I want to I have him on and then I want to have somebody on the other side and I kind of want to middle the road a little bit and ask some tough questions. Yeah, and, that'd be uh, awesome. And, and here's why is because I one thing that drives me nuts is that you like and you hit on that you briefly touched on this earlier on the unity thing. Mm-hmm. We we can agree on a lot of things and vote for different people, and that's mm-hmm. okay. But people don't want to talk about the issues. People want to talk about who you're going to go vote for, mm-hmm. and then they're mm-hmm. going to judge you based on who you go vote mm-hmm. for. Oh, you're you're going to go vote for Donald Trump? You're racist, or you're going to go for vote for joe biden you're socialist probably not (laughs) statistically speaking though yes so there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions and nobody wants to actually dive deep enough into the issues to come to a consensus on anything well it's because we don't live in a a society of listening no you said it everyone can grab a mic and talk that is very true (laughs) as opposed to just hearing somebody out and being okay with being at odds with them or disagreeing yeah and one of my self-realization again with this self-awareness thing listening to my first couple episodes is that i talk too much for hosting a show <laughs> i want to hear what the other person has to say more than what i say oh. um, and i may or may not got a comment or two man you talk a lot on your show like let, let the other guy talk a little bit so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's fascinating though man i mean that i I think the curiosity, like to me, curiosity is, is king, right? Like I'm curious in everything. Like I want to hear what people have to say. I mean, I could mm-hmm. sit here the whole time and just listen and be like, all right, cool. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad you had me. <laughs> it was fun. I just had you over so I could talk to somebody exactly. for two hours. <laughs> you just need somebody here. Um, but like that curiosity thing and the curiosity thing of, okay, we have this problem. What is going to cure this problem or what is the solution? I mean, so many of the problems that are out there right now, 
and not even picking sides because they're all over the place, like strip away party lines yep. and just look at the problems. There are problems that have been happening for like hundreds of years or at least 50 years, yep. 100 years, 400 years. Yep. I mean, 6,000 years. It's part of humanity. Mm-hmm. It probably isn't going to change today because we're deciding to do X. Yeah. yeah. It's something that is going to take a group of people starting to do something on a consistent basis, sacrifice some things in order to, you know, get the ball rolling. Then hopefully they'll see some change in their lifetime. No one wants to hear that. No. No Nobody one wants to hear that. Two little words, personal responsibility. Oh, 100%, man. Nobody wants no. that. No. I've had multiple people like, hey, Billy, what do you think? Like, what do you think? What's the next step? I'm yeah. like, that's easy. Like, the next step is actually easy. I said, get 10 people together of different ethnicities, um, different genders, and who are, quote unquote, successful, or sure. people you deem successful, influential in their communities. Let's get those people together. I'll be your first commit. And let's get us in a room and talk about next steps. Hmm. I've done this with like a dozen people who I believe are influential, who I respect, and not one person has, has taken me up on it. But yet all they do is talk about what's next. What are we going to do? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm telling you, you only get one step at a time. You're not going to see, you know, you're not going to see the next five years from the get-go. It's not how it works. Why is somebody who's so vocal about wanting change not willing to sit down and take the time with you to talk about stuff? Sacrifice. No one wants to sacrifice. Everybody can grab a microphone, but is this really sacrifice? I mean, am I, what am I sacrificing? Like two hours of my time? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's not sacrifice. Sacrifice fun. hurts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sacrifice hurts. Yeah. I'm not giving up anything to do this. One thing I've learned about marriage is that when, when you go through life and life can be hard and you deal with people and people can be nasty is that you can build up walls a lot of times. And when you, and I think an, an answer to that question too, is that I think people are really afraid to be vulnerable a lot 100%. of times. Yeah. Um, and that not, maybe not willing to talk about something that they're not competent with. Mm-hmm. And one thing that, you know, I, I, I'm not super like, I, I have my, I, I work a job. I have a family. I don't have the bandwidth and I, I have all sorts of other things I want to do outside of work for fun like this and baseball and stuff like that. I don't have the bandwidth to read every article and understand every issue. Mm. So anytime I go into a conversation, I'm, I'm putting myself out there that I could potentially be wrong. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think a lot of people trust that, that voice that says, hey, you need to go do this. Whatever this is. Plus, we're insanely selfish. Like yep. you just said it yourself, right? Yep. Like, I want to do these other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and that's what I've said to every one of these people is I, I don't have it in me to lead something like this. Like, I have all these other, For you sure. know, irons in the fire, however you want to um, visualize that, that I'm doing. A lot of those are selfish, even though my, my job and my world innately is giving away or walking with people. Yeah. It's still, there's always like a higher calling or another calling. Um, but for somebody who really believes this is their battle, because mm-hmm. everything isn't everyone's battle, yeah. right? Um, but for somebody who really believes that, to not partner with somebody who, <laughs> who, who may have the backbone that they don't have, yeah. but it goes back to self-awareness. Do you have the self-awareness to know what you don't have and then invite that in? And are you okay with that? Let the ego down, right? Um, I was reading a lot uh, the last week or two, um, Carl Jung. Um, the psychologist. Okay. I don't know much about him, but. But it, it, one of his like four 
kind of um, traits of people or things you go through is persona. Um, and it's how does the world want to see you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's how a lot of people live. People don't want to be seen as X. Yeah, to sure. really make a difference, to really do something, you have to go against culture. I know because I've done it. Like I was always the cool kid, the fun kid, uh, the guy who's going to have a good time, shaking hands, kissing babies. And then when, when I quit drinking and when I quit going out and I sold out to like seven days a week working out um, and I'm going to get the most out of me, my whole world changed. Yeah. Mm. There's people who love it and people who hate it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm, I, I don't care Yeah, because I'm listening to that voice inside that's like, you have more to give, so you need to give it. And that means you need to sacrifice some things in order to give it. But that's the same in anything you do. I mean, that's why 99% of the people that I work with, they're like, hey, I want to do X. It's like, great, what are you going to give up? Yeah. I don't want to give up anything. Then you're not going to do X. Yeah. I guess our time is done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, it's just, it's reality. Yeah. You know? Have you heard, uh, and I, you've been reading books long enough to have heard this, but the crabs in the bucket theory. So anytime you make a move to better yourself, other people around you who maybe may not be doing that, take it personally. Yep. And they're like, oh, Jimmy's moving on. You know, that's going to make me look bad. Uh, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to say something negative to Jimmy. Like, man, why are you working out? Why aren't you coming to the bar? What are you doing with your life? Like, you know, yeah. are you really, are you really going to accomplish those goals? Bullshit. You're going to accomplish those goals. You're going to come hang out with us tonight. Yep. You know, and, uh, I think everybody goes through that at some phase in their life. Some people do it in their twenties. Some people do it in their thirties. I, I know people in their forties that haven't gone through that yet. They're not willing to step away and have that, you know, have those hard conversations with quote unquote friends in their inner circle. I heard Gary V say this, and this is one of my favorite things to do. If if you're ever in a slump, take your inner circle, audit your. This is a little hard. All I can think about is Mark Grace and Slump Busters. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, Go on, fun. Gary yeah. V. I love yeah, Gary V. Gary v. He's like, if, if you're ever in a slump, audit your inner circle, audit your friend circle, and drop one loser and add one winner. Yeah, and that's hardcore. Yeah, but who who does that? Yeah, no one. But no, honestly, I, I look around and I don't want to throw out some lame percentage of like, I bet this amount of people don't do that. But I look around and I know a lot of people and I can count on one hand the amount of men that inspire me that mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. That's not a good sign. No, it's not. That's not a good sign at all. And I expect a lot. And I understand that. Like my standards or expectations are probably very different than other people. But that is not good. That means that's who's leading our culture, our society, our communities. It's just not inspiring people because everyone's doing their own shit, um, don't want to sacrifice. They would rather, you know, do whatever on the weekends. They don't want to give up themselves. They don't want to be vulnerable, which you mentioned. Then they don't want to put in time to get better. I mean, it, it, that's kind of the recipe for at least for men that I see. Hmm. Um, which is really sad. I mean, my wife and I pick this out all the time when we go places, but the amount of uh, men that I even see like connected with their kids, much less disciplining is like none. Yeah. I, that's weird to me. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I grew up, both my parents disciplined me. They're both highly involved. I, uh, they're amazing people. So it's odd to me to see, we'll go out to dinner and we see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, but just to see disengaged men, it's weird. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there. I do think there is a uh, a real manhood crisis in our country. One hundred percent. And I think that going back to some systemic problems, if you look at if you look at like wide like wide statistics, and and it doesn't come down. It's not a race thing. It's just like an entire country thing. Uh, like there's a certain percentage of kids that grew up without a father figure in the home. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the percentage of those kids versus uh, kids that maybe had a father, just somebody who was present mm-hmm. um, and the difference in problems that the fatherless kids run into at some point mm-hmm. in their life. I know this. I, I have no idea. If it wasn't for me having uh, a, a strong family together, my dad wasn't perfect. I mean, my, my dad worked 60 hours a week for 60 to 80 hours a week for basically my entire life until mm-hmm. I went into high school. So, but he was present when I, but well, he was at all my sporting events. He, you know, we had car rides back and forth to all Quality, that stuff. not quantity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I, I don't know what my life would have turned out like with, without having that yeah. voice in my life. So it's hard for me sometimes to understand the problems that maybe somebody else faces mm-hmm. who didn't have a father figure. You know, I can't I can't judge if that makes sense. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And, and and I can't judge either. It's just, I, I think it's painting a with a broad brush, a lot of issues, but they do boil down. I, I feel like at least to some basic concepts like intentionality. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally to sit here and not pick up my phone and just randomly scroll something is odd. Yeah, because is. I do it all We're day so long, distracted. not thinking about it. And there's no intentionality in that. Like for me to really get work done, I have to take my phone, you know, throw it in a drawer in my desk and then focus. Yeah. Or I have to go down to the gym, leave my phone upstairs. And then while I'm working on stuff like I was the other day, I was doing some post-its and some outlines for, for a project that I'm working on. And then I'm like, damn, I should get a picture of this. Like, that's ridiculous. There's no intentionality right. or focus mm-hmm. in that. And that's just, that's just a silly project. It's not silly, but that's just a project I'm working on. It's not another human being. Hmm. You know what I mean? The amount of intention that we, one, don't give ourselves. I mean, we call self-care days when we're getting in a bathtub for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that's great and there's nothing wrong with it, of course. But self-day care should be intentionality, should be getting up early, should be, you know, filling yourself up to go give it away. Yeah. Mm. Right? Intentionally, not just by random circumstance. Yeah. But that's not what we do. And it's, no. it's not what we do all, with anything almost. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Like, it's, I don't know. It's probably why I get so excited because I think that I'm like 40% intentional when I could be a hundred percent, you know what I mean? And I want to keep working up to that for sure. But then I see other people who are like 20% and I'm like, Hey, I just want to walk with you. What are you interested in? What do you love? Mm-hmm. And they tell me and I'm like, great, let's just take a step towards that. Yeah. Cause that will make the world better. One mm. thing that I found that is so helpful and it's something so simple is just setting a goal, like oh, setting a goal a and putting that on paper is such a momentous thing. And the amount of people that don't do stuff like that, they set like personal goals for, I want to read a couple books this year. Start small. I want to have, I want to put $1,000 in the bank this year. That's a great goal to have. Yep. And I, I, work in, I work in retail banking, so I work in a branch. Yeah. And I've done that for four or five years. And I, I started to play a game. And this is kind of interesting. I try to judge the amount of money that somebody has in their bank account just by looking at them and how the interaction goes. That's fascinating. And I've gotten really good at it. Do you keep track? 
No, like I, you know what? Your hits and misses. No, I That'd don't. Be great I, I kind of have like a that. That's probably a good thing that I should do. Get, get a spreadsheet data. going yeah. or something like that. Uh, I will say I'm probably batting about 600 right now. That's impressive. Yeah. So and 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 there there's some unknown variables that you have to take account. We may yeah. be their second bank or your their third bank or this could yeah, be a little slush fund. So, mm-hmm. um, but if you go if you go through somebody's transaction history, you can figure out pretty quickly if if we're your primary bank or not. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah. I've been with a handful of different banks throughout the last five years, so this is not one specific institution. This is across the board. But typically, the people that have financial goals accomplish that. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. And and if you don't know where you're going, you probably won't get there. Hundred percent. Yeah. So most people are just wandering in the dark, uh-huh. and and people who set goals will smoke people who don't. Hundred percent. And people who with purpose will smoke people with goals. Yes. And yeah. you have you have a purpose, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. Yeah, and I appreciate that, and I do, and you know, it's man, it's so wild to. I feel like people have innately have purpose, right? I mean, even we were down here just chatting about goals. Um, I think people innately have that. I think writing it down is big, what you said, like really naming it. Um, but I also, I don't think people go back far enough. One, the world we live in, we, like we were talking about social media, everything is instant, which is not reality because attaining a goal is not linear. Yeah. You know, it's not a to be straight line. I made it. Woohoo that ain't reality. It's up and down and all over the place and starting over and failing and yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, so that takes a bit of endurance, even if it's something, you know, quote unquote small. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs in there, right? Um, but I think the other thing is people don't look behind them and learn, right? Like if I would have never dealt with my insecurities, if I would have never dealt with that, that thing I didn't do, you know, whatever that thing is, or, um, the words those people said to me, if I don't get to a place where I'm okay with that, Mm -hmm. there's no way I can look at a vision and own that because every time you start moving forward, the ghost of the past comes back to haunt you. Yep. It always, it still does on me. And the higher up you go, quote unquote, higher up just for lack of a better word, but the, the higher up you go or the more goals you attain, the harder it gets. And it's the same stuff that always haunts me, mm-hmm. right? Like for me, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the ego. The ego always finds a way to come out. But if you're not dealing with the past, if you haven't dealt with that, there is no way you can own the future and claim that. Yeah. And then it's setting like that plan and that process and being diligent that it's okay. I may, I may wake up tomorrow and not read and mm-hmm. I may not read all day yeah. and I may go three days and not read that I have to be okay with that. And then just start the next day. Yeah. Mm. Like you have to get really good at that. Mm. I mean, that's what I did. That's what I still do. Yeah. I mean, to act like I just wake up and every, I do my morning routine and I meditate and I read and I do flexibility, mobility, and it's just a blissful life is great. I have coffee and birds are singing every day is horseshit. It just isn't reality. No, it's not. Most of the time I hate it. Yeah. There's only one Jocko Willink. Yeah. (laughs) And he probably hates it too. He probably does. You know what I mean? He talks about that too. Yeah. He talks about all the time. He's like, you're going to hate it. It's going to suck, but you do it anyway. Hell yeah, because it's not about emotion. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's the reality. It is not about emotion. Like you're talking about accountability. I started posting my workouts online for accountability. Yeah. I mean, I've always worked out. I was an athlete. That's pretty much always been a part of my life except for a few years. 
But to go seven days a week, I was like, oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Just the discipline aspect. There's days you just don't feel like it or I don't want to or whatever. Um, so I started posting online because if I tell people that I'm going to do it because mm-hmm. that's just how I'm wired. Um, but it is. It's I don't want to do it today, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And realizing that is the only way to get to the goal. I think the other problem is, is people uh, accepting kind of the mysticism, if you will, mm-hmm. of attaining goals. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not logical. Yeah, There is nothing logical about it. I owned a business in East Grand Rapids. My parents are entrepreneurs. And I bought a flower shop gift shop from them when I was 26. And it was great. I made great money. I owned it for six years. Three years in, I was making uh, about six figures crushing it at 30. And I hated it. I was mm-hmm. miserable because uh, that was my parents thing, not my thing. Yep. And I was like, I just want to figure out how to coach people. Like I'm going to be Tony Robbins, right? Because mm-hmm. that's yeah. easy. That's yep. not a problem. It's not easy. It's no big deal. <laughs> so we sell it. And then I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I started working at Wedgwood and I took a 75% pay cut. I loved it, but I was coaching people, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm at where I'm at. There is no logic in any of it. Yeah. But it was trusting that voice that was like, this is who you are. This is what you can do. And then doing the disciplines. But it's this, that change is the same change for everything. Yep. Hmm. It's no different than what I'm going through today. Hopefully, it'll be no different than what I go through the rest of my life. Yeah. Just knowing where you want to go, putting the work in place, and allowing it to take care of itself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I think people hold on to that tight. They don't want to deal with their past. And then they're in the middle where discipline's not fun. It's highly emotional. It's right. Sucks. Like you're saying, exactly. It is not fun. And then you just don't reap the rewards. And then you sit back, right? Like, I mean, you've read those studies like the hospice. Um, you know, what was number one? People on their deathbed, they regret not doing certain things or yeah. they regret not being with their family enough or they regret not opening that business. Yep. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. I have enough shit I regret. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we run a no risk it, no biscuit operation here. So <laughs> that's why if you, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of, I, I picked that up. I'm a big fan of, uh, Pat McAfee's, uh, sports show. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been following him for a couple of years that's now awesome. and, uh, just watching the amount of success that he had, the inspiration to do this came from Pat McAfee and Joe Rogan. And I, and I, I loved listening to those guys and Jocko Willink. Like I yeah. went, I went to a conference uh, a couple of years ago where he was uh, he was a keynote speaker there. And I got to hear he, him and Le- Leif Babin tell yeah. about the story of Ramadi. Yeah. That they that's were awesome. In. It's that's just such a cool story. Incredible. Yeah. So I've, I've definitely followed those guys too, but I got that term, no risk it, no biscuit from Pat McAfee. I actually, get, I, after I released the episode zero, I got a couple texts from people that heard it. They're like, I love that no risk it, no <laughs> biscuit so thing. I, I have to full, full disclosure. I did not make that up. I think I'm pretty sure he <laughs> trademarked it. So I don't want to get sued. <laughs> so that's all incredible. credit to Pat McAfee on that one. But, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, that's, that's so true. And I, if you think about, um, you know, and, and this is this is biblical, too. I mean, you can um, I think it's Paul that said this uh, it, there. You can there are sin, sins of omission, if mm-hmm. you will. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can sin by doing something, but you can also sin by not doing something. Yeah. And uh, I feel like um, the thing the things that come with the most regret, I, not all the time, but I would say in most circumstances are you regret what you don't do. Uh, one of the regrets and this is this is this cuts pretty deep for me is that I regret not playing college baseball yeah. because I know my my talent level back when I was 17 or 18 yeah. years old and there was a couple it was more mental than physical 
Uh, one of them was my my grades and my lack of a lack of performance on the academic side. Yeah. I was I don't know. I was a two point two point oh two point five student my yeah. whole life, um, and you know just some self confidence things that I was dealing with at that point in time. Yeah. Like we talked, it was like mm-hmm. the first thing we talked about, like the baseball gods getting mm-hmm. in your head and all that stuff. Oh gosh, yes. And um, and so yeah, that and you know, it, Chloe and I had a lot of talks this summer about that demon that yeah. i've been fighting for a while and in some ways this um playing baseball the last couple summers has um has it, it, it's a it's a weird thing because it's quelled that hunger yeah. in a way uh-huh. but it's also made it a little bit stronger too like sure. you come home from having a great game you go two for three couple knocks couple good plays at shortstop yeah. you know you feel like you're you're on top of yeah. the world um and then you come home and you got to clean up the house and do the dishes, change the baby. And yeah, it's just like, oh man, <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's just such a weird feeling. And, and my personality is a non, non-emotional. So this whole marriage thing has been interesting because I'm, I am a very, uh, emotionally drawn back person. I, mm-hmm. I can be, a, I can be pretty dry sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like one thing, like some, somebody asked me, this is like, um, such such, such and such celebrity died and i was like oh yeah that sucks you know that's what it is and and i just like i don't have like those strong emotional connections to people i don't know yeah. and i don't know so i'm not i'm similar to that yeah i'm not super emotional in that regards but like you know the last year i feel like more so than ever we've really like the two of us have have come to a place where we've never gone before mm-hmm. and i've never experienced that with anybody just like getting really like diving into those emotional things and yeah it's awesome it cuts deep sometimes yeah it but does. um but yeah it's definitely been worth it when it's the only way to accept that stuff right because yeah. i mean that's the reality is most people bury that mm-hmm. they never do anything with it yeah. they never accept it they never own it yeah right it's why they can't talk about it or they don't talk about it yeah. they ignore it they blow it off whatever mm-hmm. i mean dude, i went years where i wouldn't talk about baseball really years wow. i still struggle with it like I really still struggle talking about baseball. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I, like, I love playing. I never would have guessed. I love playing. It's really fun for me. But like, it's been very cathartic to come back and play these no last kidding. four or five years. Yeah. That's one of the most interesting sports takes I think I've ever heard. To be honest with you, because I'll be honest with you, I one thing I struggle with this is that is like. So you said it, that you've kind of accepted that it doesn't matter, and then you're, and that makes it more comfortable for mm-hmm. you. For me, it makes it a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. It's like, you know, we're out here getting all hyped up about this stuff and none of the shit matters. <laughs> well, I, in perspective, it doesn't matter, but it also massively matters. Okay. Because everything we do matters, right? So, like, there's not, I don't believe that, like, showing up here, I mean, I was thinking about it, walking through it in my head, um, even praying about it. Like, I want to come and be here. Mm-hmm. So if I just come and I don't, and I give 50% effort, that matters because mm-hmm. everything matters. It's the same thing if I go home and my wife's trying to talk to me about something and I blow her off to turn on the TV yeah. to watch Monday Night Football, You've that matters. You've got a great point And there. the conversation, quote, like may not be a big deal. She may just be talking about like painting her toenails. I don't know. <laughs> right. But like to her, it matters. So it, it massively matters. Absolutely. So when I say it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter because we're not getting paid. I don't yes. have to renew a contract. Yep. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to go wait, home. Wait, Troy doesn't have you guys on contract? <laughs> I know, right? I was thinking he did. I'm because... getting screwed. I oh knew it. Oh, my God. I knew oh it. God. 
That's how um, that we, that's how you guys keep that stack team together <laughs> all year. Hey man, uh, just guys who play hard. I, yeah, yeah, just a bunch of good teammates and a lot of <laughs> outstanding talent. I mean, we're all right. Jimmy's an outstanding shortstop, and then he is. our, our he's Tom a good is is yeah, out of can, this world. Yeah, he can throw it. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. he can sling it. Unbelievable. But yeah. that's I mean that's the thing, right? So how we show up anywhere matters. That's a good point. You know, and that's that for me is like that intentionality. Right. I mean, it's the same thing. The day that I can't play at a level that I feel comfortable with, I can't steal bases. I can't, I don't have much range. Yeah. It's the day I'll probably walk away. No, that's a good point. And, you know, and Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do it, do with all your might. Exactly. So one thing, one silver lining that I've taken away from all of this, because, um, you know, Claire started to come to some games this year. And she's, and, and there, there have been times where I've had, I've had something happen. I've had a rough at bat and my, what I would have done 10 years ago, chuck my helmet, <laughs> you know, sit, cuss at the umpire or say something like that, argue balls and strikes. Um, but then in the, in the back of my head, as I'm walking back to the dugout after I struck out on a, on a terrible pitch is, you know, that five-year-old kid's watching me. Yeah. And I think that, you know. There, somebody's always watching. Oh, 100%. And you can't compartmentalize anything. No. Right? So life is, it flows all naturally together. You know, I can't be one person at baseball, another person down here, and then go home and be someone else yep. and then go to work. Like, it just doesn't work. Like, I've tried that before. It sucks. Oh, I have too. You I think we all have. yourself mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah, you can't do it. I mean, like you talk about throwing the helmet like Jimmy. You know, I mean, that's like where I have the most fun right now playing. As much as I enjoy the competition you know, and hitting and fielding and all that. But it's like where Jimmy can be a hothead. Sorry, Jimmy, <laughs> no, for selling you out right no, now. <laughs> not but like, Jimmy. But like where, you know, He's he'll so throw nice. his helmet and it's like, yo, man, like, is that how you really want to show up? Like, I get it. I get yeah. it. You got the chip. You're ultra competitive, but yep. you have to hone that in order to go to your next step wherever you're at. Yep. Like, not just with ball, but, you know, um, in your job with yep. your, your future wife, with your friends. But once again, that intentionality, it's work. It's yeah. facing those demons. It's constantly going in inside, yeah. which is especially men we don't want to do. No, we mm-hmm. don't want to talk about that shit. And we don't have time. Like we don't, quote unquote, have time yeah. to do it, but we have time to watch Netflix. We have time to, you know, for sure. play on our phones. We have time for all this as opposed to making time to go inward to deal with some of those things yeah. in order to move forward. One thing I've done in the past, and I challenge anybody, if you feel like you've gotten in a fog, one thing I always like to do is do a social media cleanse. So Mm -hmm. just go on, make it really, I'm not saying, don't go delete your Facebook or your Instagram or something like that, but just make it a little bit harder to get to it. Uh, Go delete Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat off your phone. Just delete the apps off of your phone and then see how long it, it takes before you realize how much you miss that stuff. And how, how many times you click on that folder in your phone that has those mm-hmm. apps in it. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I'm doing I'm going to pull back from social media a little bit. Uh-huh. One thing that with this podcast that I've been doing is that I've tried to the only time I go on social media, I'm not a consumer. I'm a producer. Mm-hmm. So I, if I'm going on social media, it's to produce content, not to consume other people's yep. content. And I'm being selfish with my time in that regard, but I'm I'm very much okay with it. And I think a lot of people, more people, should be okay with being s- selfish with their time. Oh, without in, a in, doubt, in that regard, anyway. Yeah, with it, without a doubt. I mean, I think that's great. Like I meditate, and I I think sometimes that gets a little bit taken out of context. But even commit to taking ten minutes 
Mm. for a week in the morning, just with quiet. Get rid of everything. Get rid of your phone. Set a timer. And just sit with your eyes closed Put quietly. Put your kids in the kennel. Yeah, do whatever you can exact. <laughs> Duct tape, whatever you got to do, do it. Uh, but get 10 minutes. Even if your spouse has to watch the kids, whatever, flip-flop. But take 10 minutes, close your eyes, and just, it's not even getting rid of thoughts, but just accept thoughts as they come. I, I, most people can't do it. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know having that little bit of quiet, like you said, getting rid of social media. And I'm the same. I try not to consume much yeah, because I can be on just scrolling. Next thing you know, two hours are gone. I'm reading quotes or looking at ridiculous pictures and it just, it's a waste of time. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, man, pausing, huge Mm -hmm. and something we suck at. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, last topic to wrap. What's uh, what's your spiritual life like? What what do you, uh, what's kind of your story in that world? Yeah, I was going to be a youth pastor at one point. Okay. Yeah, real talk. Um, So I grew up, parents are Christians. I grew up Southern Baptist, Church of Christ. Oh, yeah, brother. There was no room. Like you had to leave room for the Holy Spirit and everything you did. Yeah. Um, But I was wild, man. Like I was never, there's no doubt I'm probably ADD, ADHD. (laughs) I mean, I've chilled a lot as I get older, but I, I was so wild as a kid, man. Um, but I've always had, I've, I literally have always had a connection with God and I've always had that understanding of, of there's something else, quote unquote. Um, the Jesus story makes sense to me, Mm -hmm. but it makes sense because I understand, like I did a lot of Jewish root studies okay, and I understand that Jesus was a Jewish rabbi and there's a whole another world there that this Western, this Westernized Christianity doesn't have. What's one nugget that you think that Christians might not know about Jesus from this this Jewish root study that you did? Man, you're putting me on. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So, well, here, I'm going to go before Jesus, but Eremos is desert. Okay. Um, I think that to me, the, the story that has meant the most to me out of the Bible would be um, the Exodus story. Okay. Because I believe... That I, once again, I'd love to be like 90% of people, but I believe most people that I have met are going around in a circle in the desert like the Jews did yep. for 40 years. Yep. And that was their choice. Yep. They did not have to do that. That was a 40, 40 year journey that, that could have taken 11, 40 minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the obedience is what kept them from, 100%. from and making it, was, it there. Right. And that's where I look at us and it's listening to that voice. Like you mentioned Solomon earlier, right? Yep. Like the laws are written on your heart. I mean, I 100% believe that. Um, I don't believe I need to read a book for that. I don't believe I need to go to a building for that. Yep. I believe it's innate. So, yeah. So for me, that story in and of itself is everything. Yeah. And I want to help people hear that voice. So that they can get to the promised land, whatever that means for them, and not just keep going around in a circle, being mm. unmotivated. Because mm. when people like, and I, I hate talking about myself in this way, but like I had a message today like, hey man, keep motivating people. And I really appreciate that. And it's insanely humble to hear anybody say that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also another side of me that's like, I'm not really doing that much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm truly not. And then I start thinking, and I, I mean, no judgment or anything, because I have no idea what this person does, but it's like, what are you not doing? Uh-huh. Or maybe you're doing it and I'm just helping, you know, you're feeding off that. Yeah. But anyway, there's just so many people who aren't doing the things and they're just going in that circle in the desert. But to go back to Jesus, I think understanding um, the rabbinical studies, and since you put me on the spot, I'm for uh, Talmudin, I, I believe is, is what they're called. 
when they were 13-ish, um, Jewish boys would go to a rabbi and they'd be like, hey, like Justin, you're a great rabbi. I love your ideas and thoughts. I want to follow you. Okay. And then the rabbi would quiz the student and they would say, you know, whatever. Tell me, you know, recite Genesis or whatever because those kids are, are so insanely yeah. smart. Um, and then they would either tell the child, yes, you have what it takes. I want you to follow me and be one of my disciples or no, I don't. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Jesus flipped that whole narrative upside down and instead of students coming to him, he went to them. Hmm. Ah. So those students, like when they were out fishing, they were, they were kids. They weren't just fishermen. They, well, they were fishermen because a rabbi said, you're not good enough to follow me. Ah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's something in Westernized culture. Like it never made sense to me mm-hmm. how some guy goes up to a boat and says, okay, hey, you guys come follow me. And they're like, awesome. Yeah. And it was always like, Jesus just had charisma. Like, really? Nah. <laughs> like I met There's a lot of people with charisma. Exactly. There's more to it than that. But when you start looking at the schooling aspect of it, it was because Jesus played by the rules of the culture. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't do anything that, that other rabbis weren't doing, even with healings and stuff. I mean, there's, there's a ton of stories of rabbis healing. Not many rabbis, but there are, there are stories of rabbis healing. So when you take the idea that these kids were castoffs, they went to a rabbi who said, hey, or they said to the rabbi, hey, we want to follow you. And the rabbi said, sorry, like, you're great, but go home and do the family business. Mm-hmm. You're not going to follow me. You're, you don't have what it takes. Right. And then you take that idea of Jesus going out and saying, no, no, you do have what it takes. So right. you can be a rabbi. You can follow me. You can be like me. That puts a, like a totally different spin for me when, when people talk about Jesus going to those who have been forgotten, like, mm-hmm. like not, just, not just by people in general, but like these religious leaders that were supposed to be there and support them and teach them the correct way said, no, you're not good enough to learn. Yeah. And then Jesus goes and says, no, you are good enough to learn everyone. Yeah. yeah. And you're not only good enough to learn, but you're good enough to give and you're yeah. good enough to teach. Exactly. Right? You're good enough to give it all away. Mm-hmm. Whereas, unfortunately, I think our religious, so I was going, I wanted to be a youth pastor and I went to a school that I'm not going to name after Western and I was in a class and we were talking about Jonah and I don't remember the exact context, but I came off from being at Western in philosophy where you question everything and I can say whatever. Yeah. Plus, I... I ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think most of what's given to us is garbage. Yeah, and I want to weed through it, right? Yep. And I always believe there's a better question. Well, and let me let me tell you this. Yeah. I heard a statistic, and you know, eighty five percent of statistics are made up on the spot. But like eighty percent of people know about what the Bible says from what somebody has told them versus what it actually says. Yeah. So if you, you know, it is so easy to take a verse out of the Bible and remove it from context and people do it all. I'd say there are pastors that make a living doing that. Well, and I would argue, though, I think I think most Western pastors don't even understand the context because they don't understand the history. They don't understand the time Mm -hmm. period. And I think that's becoming more prevalent today than what it was 20 years ago. Yeah, I think so. And maybe this is just me growing up and understanding a little bit better but when i was when i was younger i saw all sorts of different denominations mm-hmm. i saw i grew up catholic mm-hmm. and uh you know there was a, a strong methodist community in our town a strong baptist community in our town um and so and everybody kind of yeah we were christians but we we're on different teams so it was like we're in the same league and different teams mm-hmm. it was kind of what it seemed like <laughs> to me that today it's do you 
teach as a church what the Bible says or do you not? It's mm-hmm. much simpler to me today mm-hmm. because I've seen both. And it drives me up the wall when somebody has a microphone and is, and is speaking the word of God and they're not teaching what is in the word of God. That drives me yeah. bonkers. That's a tough one for me. I, I know what you're saying. It's a tough one for me because I think there's so many different ways that you can go with certain things. And I believe in, in our culture, what makes us comfortable is knowing and putting things in a box. And for me, that's just not how I live. Like yeah. I, if you put me in a box yep. or you put God in a box and act like you understand the creator yes. of the universe, that's, to me, you're insane. That's exactly like, what I was. That's ego. Yeah. That's narcissism to me. Yep. Like I, you know, it's why when, when I'm looking at goals and it's why I talk about like that mysticism of how you get there, I have no idea how to get there. I know my job is to be set apart. Yep. That's it. My job is to be set apart and do what's being asked. The rest of it, that's not on me. That's on God. That's why I don't stress about things. I truly don't. Um, I could lose everything today. I mean, actually, we did almost. We, we bought a house. Anya and I did when we first got married 12 years ago. And we got into a lawsuit because the builder built over $60,000 of mold damage. Real talk. Oh, no. In our basement. And dude, we spent $60,000 on this lawsuit. In two years, thankfully, we had, we had the capital to do it. But, um, and we ended up winning. But we didn't get that much back, not for the, the amount of time we put in. But I, I mean, I can tell you, I wasn't tripping at all during that. I was like, Anya, it's all good. Like, we're going to get there. This is adversity that, that we're in. It is what it is. Yep. Like, this is the moment, mm-hmm. like, to me, that we actually get to show who we are, right? This is the moment we get to build from. But I think every day is that. It's not my job to worry about that stuff. It's not my job to worry about any of it. Like, let God do what he wants to do. My job is for me to become who he created me to be. Yeah. That's it to me is that simple. But I think we really muck it up with having to know everything, needing to put parameters around all this, yeah. making sure that, you know, the Beatitudes, we both agree the same thing. Maybe we don't. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it matter? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I- am I loving you? Does that matter more? Or does what, you know, what I know or what I think you know, or does that matter more? It's what drives me nuts politically right now. Because it's like, yeah, I'm on this side of the aisle, you're on that side. I agree with this. I don't agree with that. But yet, where's the love? Where, what are you doing? To me, Jesus was murdered out of doing something out of love, not out of understanding or having knowledge. Yep. No, that's a great. At least I didn't swear during that rant. That would have been <laughs> <weird>. Sacrilegious. <laughs> that's, that's probably the other reason that you being a youth pastor would not have worked out. No, no, he let it fly, man. I don't know. There's some pretty woke youth pastors these days. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Trying to be edgy and yeah. cool. Yeah. Flannel wearing, man bun having, <laughs> playing guitar at the beach. And yeah, exactly. Flip flop. It's yeah. funny because my pastor is like a surfer dude from South Africa. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's all. What church do you go to? I go to Engedi. Where's that at? Uh, it's actually right across the street from St. Mary's, uh, okay. just off a bridge. Awesome. But they're, uh, the main campus is out of Holland. Oh, very cool. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we've been going to Crossroads for four or five. Uh, no, ever since we moved down here, pretty much about six years, I I would say. Is that it's a bigger? Is that in Byron Center? Where no, it's here in Grand Rapids. Okay. It's it's like on uh, 131 in Leonard, just north of here. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. So he, um, so when we got engaged, I was just like, well, now I have to be the spiritual leader of my house. I completely under- misunderstood this, but I got to be the spiritual leader now. So we're gonna do what I know, even do though as I, I say. Yeah, exactly. So I was raised Catholic. <laughs> that's what I know. Damn it, we're being Catholic. <laughs> so Chloe started to go through the, the RCIA process and just it wasn't clicking. And 
She was asked, so she was asking me questions, and I was getting all defensive about it because I had never taken the time to ask these questions. Right. I was like, oh, this is the way that it is. And she, so she, it was getting frustrating because she was asking me questions that number one, I didn't know the answer to. Yeah. And number two, I went and found the answer. I'm like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she was just like, well, let's go, let's try this church. Should we Google churches in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. and we landed on this one and we show up there and, um, pastor is a big, tall, bald dude. And, um, I'm sitting there with my arms crossed, lip poked out the whole time. I, just, well, I don't like this guy. <laughs> And so, and then he said something in there that royally pissed me off. He said something that I took as negative towards Catholics. It's something to do with honoring uh, Virgin Mary on the same level of Jesus and make, kind of making mm-hmm. some counter. And, and my, from my perspective, he, he was really, you know, being offensive. Sure, and and sure. I, I was offended by it. And I was mad. And I was like, we're never going back, back to that church again. We're, we're not doing it. Finally, she was like, oh, why don't, we, why don't we go try it again? And then there was a different pastor. It was the lead pastor of the church um, who came and gave the message that next week. And I was like, oh, this is, okay, we're supposed to be here. Like, this is, this is it. So throughout the years, it, the funniest thing is, is that that bald pastor that really pissed me off. Um, back in January, he baptized me. That's <laughs> at awesome. That <laughs> That's incredible. So it's so good. I told him that, like, because we, because so um, we went to a marriage retreat that he and his wife were leading, and we got to know them a little bit. And I was like, "Hey, I got a story for you." <laughs> <laughs> so I told him the whole thing, and he was he was a little bit like mortified about it, but I was like, "No, it's all good." And then, like three months later, he baptized me. So that's so good. It was, yeah, it was great, great experience. That to me though, like when something offends me, it's asking better questions, yeah. right? And it's why it's why I hate putting like compartmentalizing or, or putting a box around everything. Because to me, I have more questions today than I did yep. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's why I'm very careful with the questions I ask, because I'm probably just going to go down a rabbit hole of not being able to answer it. For sure. Right? Like faith will always enter into the bargain, whether I decided tomorrow to be an atheist yep. or whether I believe faith will always enter into it. Um, faith being believing something unseen, right? Yeah. Um, that will always faith be a part of it. Is the substance of things unseen? I believe. What is that? Is that yeah from Hebrews? Um, Hebrews. That's what I was. Yep. But yeah, I mean, just that idea. Like, you have to have it. So why not ask great questions? Yeah. Why not? Why not see? Like, to me, if God is God, then let's see it. Mm-hmm. Like, why not yeah. see it? Why? Why do I have to live the way you live? Yeah. Or why mm-hmm. do I have to do what what is quote unquote acceptable? Yeah. One thing that I was taught as a Catholic, and I don't remember who put this into my brain, but somebody from a position of leadership put this in my brain, is that if if you have questions, you don't have faith. Mm. But the book says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. (laughs) So I'm going to go with what the book says versus what Dum Dum over here says, who's not reading the book, who's reading catechism. Yeah, well, and mm-hmm. I mean, even like you take the uh, the Aramos story, right, or the the Exodus story. Um, they got into tr- problems when they tried to put everything into a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that sound a lot like what Westernized Christianity yeah. is? That's yeah. what they did, right? Yeah. Like they started making idols when they tried to put things in a box because they were uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable and be okay with it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I try to do every day. I mm-hmm. want to do some things that make me uncomfortable. Yeah, that is very true. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's so, wild, there's man. so many Christians in, in our world today that are so sensitive. 
Yeah, man. And judgmental and everything to me that we're not supposed to be. Yeah. And I'm not saying I got all the answers. Nope, I do I'm not. I'm not perfect in that world. A thousand it, percent. No. I, my, I have many issues. Yeah. They just, they typically don't touch on that. But I have all kinds of problems. And I judge people too, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably struggle more with like a, a white man in a business suit who's, you know, 60 than I do, you know, whatever, I, you know, a minority and dreads. Like, I'm much more comfortable around that, yeah. around that person than I am around the other. Yep. But that's, it, once again, our society feeding us stuff. You know, for me, I think of Enron and I think of Wall Street right. and I, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that for me is a struggle. Yep. But it's also one of those things that I have to check myself constantly and ask, why do you think that? Yep. Where is that coming from? What are those preconceived exactly. notions that you have? And then at the end of the day, I go back to all you have to do is love this person. That's all you're called to do is love that person. Yeah. Meet them where they're at and let them meet you where you're at. It truly is that simple. But that takes vulnerability, which is hard. And it's hard for me too. It takes honesty about who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it just, it takes open arm. Mm-hmm. I'm not great at that stuff all the time either, but that's, that's the heart I try to go into all of it with. You know? So, I mean, when you talk about baseball, like why? I mean, there's so much of that I didn't have when I was 23 yeah. and walked away, you know, mm. um, at 23, when I walked away, it was, I, uh, I started in the off season, I started working at Wedgwood where I first worked there before I bought the business. And, uh, I, I mean, I had never seen anything like that. I grew up with wonderful parents and then all of a sudden I'm around, you know, boys 12 to 17 who are wards of the state, a ton of abuse, neglect, sexual abuse. And I was like, I love this game, but there's that going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to go do that. It puts and me that's, things in perspective. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was the main reason I walked away alongside of some fear and, you know, being afraid of what was actually happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. Just that open arms thing. I just don't, I don't feel it and it sucks and I want more of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's why where a lot of my posts have come from lately of yeah. just questioning people like, yeah. you know, bold opinions, where's the love? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is you true. Know, saying you're wrong by thinking this, but you're not inviting me into anything. So you're not truly influencing me. Yeah. Mm. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. was amazing because he invited people into something. He didn't just stand up and be like, you're wrong. Everyone should be equal. It was, I want to see this. I have a dream. Exactly. Let's do this. Let's do it together. I don't okay. know, man. That's how man, I try to roll. It's like I push play and you just roll. Yeah, I love that's it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I get you on something, and I'm... my wife will just be glad I won't come home and do this. Nah. <laughs> no, you like, thank you're, God you get it all out. <laughs> One you thing I back. have noticed is that doing this, you get a little bit of an adrenaline spike from it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, and, you're performing. Um, yeah, it really yeah. is. I mean, yeah, you have to show up. We're it performing would suck. for. Tens of dozens of people. <laughs> <laughs> Four people who are really bored having it play at work are yeah. going to love it. Oh, for sure. Oh, man. But that's, you know what, though? That's the beauty of it is you get to throw something. It's like when I, I speak anywhere, right? Yeah. You go somewhere and speak and the words are hijacked into a conversation someone's been having with them with, their, with themselves for God knows how long. Mm. And they're going to do with it what they will. Like, yeah. it's the same thing. It's doing it consistently. Yeah. Right. So the thing is, you just need to be doing this five years from now to actually see the fruit from it. That is true. Um, But the beautiful thing is, is somebody's going to hear something and hopefully it pisses them off or causes some internal conflict that they have to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Right. To me, that's I mean, if we're doing that, 
it doesn't matter if one person gets something out of it. Yeah. It's freaking awesome. Uh, so I want to thank all of you who have tuned in to listen to this. If you're still with us, you are the greatest human being on the face of the planet. Again, I still invite you to like, share, and subscribe on all social media platforms at Rakowski Pod. One thing I'd like to say specifically we uh we're having great growth all across the country right now so which is super excited so if you know somebody uh, in particular that this might affect or you think might like this show why don't you go ahead and share it with them personally i'd greatly appreciate that and with that we are done and we will see you next week